Hello everybody and welcome to Penguins to Go, your daily dose of Pittsburgh Penguins news and analysis. You can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm your host Nick Berlansky and the question today is the question that we always ask around mid-July because a lot of the dominoes of the offseason have already fallen and you look at most of the NHL rosters, on paper at least, and you can try to parcel out exactly who the contenders are, who the pretenders are, and who's really going to be able to fight for a playoff spot come March and April of next season. So the question then becomes, have the Pittsburgh Penguins done enough this offseason? Kyle Dubas has changed a lot about this team in the five weeks since taking over in Pittsburgh. There's a chance that he's still not finished, considering that there are still continued trade talks between the Penguins, the San Jose Sharks, and what we would presume to be a third-party team in potentially acquiring Eric Carlson. And that, of course, changes this entire conversation. So before that even happens, I want to look at this roster now. Because there's a chance that the Penguins can't pull off that deal. It's a very complicated deal. So in the instance that they don't, this is for the most part going to be their roster as we know it heading into training camp come mid to late September. I mean, we're three months to the day from the opening of the 2023-24 season against the Chicago Blackhawks. So with that in mind, three months to go, we're going to look at the roster on paper, look at the moves that were made over the past five weeks by Kyle Dubas, and we're going to ask that question again. Have the Penguins done enough this offseason? Is it enough? And the way that I'm going to look at it is, is it enough to get the Penguins back into the postseason? Because in my eyes, they're not going to be a contender until I see it. Right? They're not going to be a contender. I can't call them a contender until I see it. And that's not see it through August see it through September when they're in training camp. It's not even see it through the first couple months. You have to get past, as we learned last year, because they were really good going up into the Christmas break. They fell apart a little bit, and they just weren't good enough down the stretch to get back into the picture. Are they good enough by the time March rolls around, the trade deadline? That's when you can label a contender. You can't really label a team a contender unless they're the Carolina Hurricanes, right, at this stage of this offseason. So... Let's say, have they done enough to get back into the Stanley Cup playoffs? That's what we're going to look at. Let's look at the three most important areas that Dubas had to improve this roster, right? Because there was a lot of holes on this roster, but you can distill it down to three key areas that he needed to address. And that's bottom six forward, that's the defense, and that's goaltending. Let's start with bottom six forward. I'm going to call them the just keep swimming part of the lineup, right? Because last season, the bottom six sank. For lack of a better term, they sank. They sank into their own zone. They couldn't get the puck out of their own zone. They were hemmed in for way too long. And as everybody knows, they provided very little offensive support to the top six. It was really reliant on Crosby, on Malkin, on Ricard Raquel, on Jake Gensel, on Jason Zucker. It was reliant on them to score goals because nobody else really was at a consistent clip. Even Brian Rust, who was in the top six, he played a little bit in the bottom six. There's people calling for him to start the season in the bottom six for a different reason. I think he should be a top six guy, but that's a conversation for a different day. But again, 
there was no offensive support for those guys last season. And even when there was an offense, there wasn't defense either. Now, Dubas didn't really address the offensive part of that question. He mainly, mainly addressed the defensive zone. So while the offense may not have been found in free agency, they'll be better at avoiding those long defensive zone shifts, which just completely killed any momentum the Penguins built up from their top six and also led to a lot of lopsided five-minute spans, ten-minute spans, because once you get on your back foot, it takes some time to just get to level ground, let alone getting into the offensive zone and attacking and being aggressive. That was the biggest issue with the Penguins last season, and I think that portion was addressed with Matt Nieto, with Lars Eller, with Nola Chari. I, I just think, in general, they are better in their own zone on paper. They also added two solid depth options over the weekend in Vinny Hina as well as Andreas Janssen. Now, we're going to get into those two more on tomorrow's episode. That's going to be a tip of the iceberg full episode. Me and Nick Horwat will dive into those two signings. I like them both, especially considering if you want to compare one-to-one, think of those two against last season's Danton Heinen and Drake Kajula, because that's about where they're going to play. Andreas Janssen's going to be more of the Danton Heinen type that has more of a chance to make the team out of camp. And Vinny Hinnestroza, if he, listen, if he performs well in camp, he might get a chance to be on the roster at the NHL level. If not, he's going to be an AHL call-up kind of middling type of player. I like both of those signings. Those signings do a little bit more to address the offensive side of things, but as you saw on the opening day of free agency, as well as with the amount of money and term that was given out to the other players, the impact and the importance of playing well in your own zone was very well on display in Kyle Dubas's mind with those signings. So overall, the just keep swimming part of the lineup is improved, right? They didn't, they're not going to sink like they did last year, at least in my eyes on paper, they still could. You never know what happens whenever this actually hits the ice, if it works, but I like them, print the shirts, just keep swimming. That's the Penguins' bottom six. Let's look at the defense really quickly. And I mean really quickly because there's not really that much that's different. Ryan Graves, listen, that addition does a lot of legwork for me. Everybody that listens to this show knows that I'm a big fan of Ryan Graves, and I was very happy, I was taken aback, but I was very happy whenever the Pittsburgh Penguins signed him. $27 million, obviously they believe in him as well. It solidifies what I believe is a really good left side of the defense for the Pittsburgh Penguins because you have Ryan Graves at the top, a bona fide number one left shot, left shot defenseman, and then you have Pedersen who doesn't have to worry about taking on a brunt of the load because Brian Dumoulin isn't doing his job above him. So Pedersen can fit into that role and can be comfortable in that role, and I like that. And then P.O. Joseph or Ty Smith, whoever gets the third spot there on the left side, I'm confident in them, especially in that role. I think that role is perfect for both of those two, whoever it ends up being, to thrive. The right side has not changed at all, at least as of this recording. And let's be honest, two-thirds of that unit underperformed last season. It's Jeff Petrie and Jan Ruda. They underperformed what was expected of them last season. Chris Letang, for the most part, he met expectations in the face of very 
massive adversity, and he was awarded for that with the Masterton Trophy a couple weeks ago. But even if that remains, where Petrie underperforms, where Jan Ruda underperforms, if Chad Ruedel gets in the lineup, if he underperforms, I could still see this unit being improved from last season. And I also think it's unlikely that both Ruda and Petrie, one, are that injured, right? Yes, they're older, they're more susceptible to those injuries, but they were very injured on that right side a good portion of the season. And that includes Chris Letang. He missed, what, two months of the season in the middle? From, you know, obviously November to December he missed a couple of weeks due to the stroke, and then he missed from December to mid-February. So the injuries are an issue always, always, always with this organization. It doesn't matter where it is, position-wise. Injuries can always become an issue. I think they stay more healthy. I think the law of averages states that. I'm hoping so, knock on wood. And if they are, I do think that the two-thirds that struggled last season at the very least, we'll maintain that level. Like To some extent, they can't get much worse. So we'll see Petrie and Ruta. I think that they're going to be a little bit better, so I think that elevates the defense as a whole. And then Ryan Graves, for certain, in my eyes, elevates that defense, which leaves goaltending. Now, Dubas built a slightly better contingency plan than, listen, if Tristan Jari goes down, we have Casey DeSmith, and that's the end of the story. Now it's if Tristan Jari goes down, which we'll talk about. There's Casey DeSmith, but also Alex Nedeljkovic. You know, he called her finalist three seasons ago. Didn't really fit the mold in Detroit. Kind of hurt his career. Looking for a fresh start. A little bit older of a rookie when he did that Calder thing a couple years ago. He was 25 as a rookie. So, yeah, he's a guy who, if he can find it here, he might be able to cash out on this one-year deal. So there's a lot riding on this season for Alex Nedeljkovic. So, okay, a slightly better contingency plan. But let's be honest. This system is built around the hope that Tristan Jari stays healthy. And I went on my rant the day after free agency about everybody immediately condemning this move because of injury issues. And, yes, they're a concern. They should be a topic of conversation, but that should not be the whole conversation. Understandably, with the contingency plan that's currently in place, in my eyes, it's still based on, hey, Tristan Jarr needs to stay healthy. Because if he's healthy, he's darn good. Right? Now, also, I think it helps that a lot of the moves the Pittsburgh Penguins made, the most money they spent, I've said this again, you know, broken record, but it's true. Ryan Graves' addition is huge. I think the defense, as a whole, is better, like I just talked about. The bottom six, defensive heavy additions. That makes it better for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Rising tide lifts all boats. I think the tide has risen, and that's going to lift Tristan Jari. Especially if he stays healthy, that's going to lift Tristan Jari, which is, again, going to lift the Pittsburgh Penguins. So overall, the team improved. It didn't take massive leaps forward on paper, but it improved. Then the question becomes what we're here to answer. Will that be enough to get them back into the postseason and even make some noise? Like I said, whether they're going to make noise, that's yet to be determined. I don't think you can determine that in July very much. But on paper, are they a playoff team? Well, let's look at this. In the Metropolitan Division, the Carolina Hurricanes, the New York Rangers, and the New Jersey Devils, they're not going anywhere. 
they're not they're not i mean just they just they're constructed to be good for years on end and i'll say that the islanders are always in the mix right because i count out the islanders probably a little more than i usually should and they they're just always there always last year they were there again and it burned the penguins they got in the postseason the penguins did not so yeah i'll say the islanders are always in the mix but i would still put the pittsburgh penguins at fourth currently in the metropolitan division on paper I would put the Penguins above the New York Islanders because if they get their act together, there's way too much talent on the Pittsburgh Penguins compared to the Islanders. And the the question then becomes, you know, how far can Ilya Sorokin take the New York Islanders? So, yes, I do think they're in the mix. I don't think that the Penguins are miles ahead of where the Islanders are. I think that's an asinine comment for anybody that's made it. But I think the Penguins are in the mix, and I would right now put them at fourth. In the Metro. And then you look in the Atlantic. Toronto, Tampa Bay, Florida. They're still going to be there. They're not going anywhere. Boston's likely still going to be there. But they're such a volatile team all the time. Usually it's one year where they're amazing. One year where they come back to reality a little bit. And then they're amazing again. So they were the greatest regular season team of all time last year. And then they lost Taylor Hall. They lost what? Did they re-sign Dimitri Orlov? I don't even remember. But they lost Taylor Hall. They lost Nick Foligno. They lost Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, Pat- Patrice Bergeron is still undetermined on his future. So there's a lot of a lot of change in Boston. We'll just have to wait and see what they look like. But again, it's the Boston Bruins, so you can't count them out. And then really the wild card here are these young up-and-coming teams that impressed last season but really didn't take the nuf- necessary steps to get into the postseason. Your Detroits, who just got Alex Dabrinkit. Your Ottawas, who, listen, they just traded Alex Brinkett, but they have so much young talent, it, it really doesn't make that much of a difference in my eyes. And the Buffalo Sabres, who, if they had goaltending last year, if they could play a little bit better defense, they were one of the top five offensive teams in the NHL last season. I believe they were third in goal scoring. You can check me on that, but I'm pretty sure they were third in the NHL in goals last season. They just happened to be bottom 10, bottom five in goals allowed, so... If they can figure out the defensive and the goaltending side, Buffalo's going to be tough again. So at the moment, I'm not really sold on the Penguins being a lock to make the postseason. Do I think that, yeah, I would take them to take the, make the postseason if I was making predictions right now? Yes. I would do that basically on the fact that if healthy, Tristan Jari, in my eyes, is still a top 10 goaltender. Again, if healthy a top 10 goaltender in this league. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin have not shown signs of slowing down. I think Riley Smith will be good for both the Penguins' top six in his own right by his own talent, and also I think he will be good for Brian Rust, basically because, you know, as I've said multiple times on this show, Riley Smith can kill penalties. Jason Zucker could not. That helps Brian Rust be able to not have to worry about that as much if the coaching staff listens. But I think that they're... Probably a postseason team, but I would not call them a lock. With the Carlson trade in the works, and depending on the return, that would put the Penguins over the top for me. If they get Carlson, depending on the return, they're a playoff lock. Heading into the season. That's where I would put them. They're a lock to make the postseason. But even, you know, it's tough to say that because I just ran down those teams in the East. The Eastern Conference is very, very talented. But, you know, when I look at it, Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo... Two out of three of them, I would imagine, are not ready to make the leap into the postseason. There's going to be some regression from Tampa Bay. There's going to be some regression from Florida, potentially. There's going to be some regression 
from Toronto. Same goes with the Rangers. Same goes with New Jersey. I mean, they're on an upward trajectory, but last year was the first year. Can you maintain that? That's a big question. Islanders, what are they going to be? There's a lot of question marks in the Eastern Conference, and the Penguins are solely one, or squarely another one of those question marks. But with Eric Carlson on this lineup, if you don't trade away a massive piece on the roster, then you're probably looking at a team that's going to finish, at the very least, top 15 in goal scoring. Right? They were they were right there. I believe they were 17 last year, 16 last year. Top 15, likely top 10. And the defensive additions that they made around this roster, I really like it. I really like it. So, have they done enough? I think they have. But I'm not sold on giving them a locked postseason spot at the moment. So, you know, if, if I were to grade Kyle Dubas's performance in his first five weeks, I'd give him a B minus because C's get degrees and a B minus is, hey, you went a little above just getting that degree. I think he improved it. I think it was marginal, maybe a little bit more than marginal. Marginal is a little tough, but... I think he improved this lineup. I think there is a plan in place. If you see the forest through the trees, let me know because there's still a lot that is left to be done this offseason, it feels like. Obviously, the Carlson deal's out there. If that falls through, it something tells me that he's going to make a different move. He's going to get in on somebody else. He's going to move something else. So it's going to be an interesting three months leading up to the NHL season. I guarantee you this team on paper looks a lot different in three months than it does right now. I I think there's a couple changes left to be made, but we'll have to wait and see. That's going to do it for this episode of Penguins Go. You can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcast from. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time.